Hey, podcastosaurs. Hi. We're thrilled to say that we're now part of the Indiesaurus <laughs> network of shows. What kind of dinosaur was that? I'm sorry. I know I wrote this copy, but I need to know. A good one. Now continue reading your copy. Indiesaurus launches today with a slate of ongoing shows like ours, but also some exciting new premieres both this week and in the coming months. So be sure to follow them on Twitter at at IndiesaurusNet. And that is I-N-D-I-E-Saurus. Uh, you can also check them out online at Indiesaurus.com to see all the great shows like The Best Palcast. Ham Radio. Kid Nation Nation. I Survived the Rapture. Trek to the Holodeck. New Nintendo XL. Radish. And, and more. more. There's also an Indiesaurus Discord and an Indiesaurus Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can have access to bonus content, an exclusive section of the Discord, and bragging rights. You can find out about uh, both the Discord and the Patreon on their website, or, you know, just hit one of us up and we'll shoot you the info. That's a dinosaur. That's like a pterodactyl, which is actually technically not a dinosaur. I can't get into this right now. Right? <laughs> all, so, that being said, all that being said, <laughs> announcements, announcements over. over. Podcast... Starting? You're listening to Alt 107.9.4.6. That you just heard Weezer with Say It Ain't So. And, and up next is those uh, those SoCal favorites, no doubt, because they're going to be the subject of a podcast today. What's a podcast? I don't know. I'm a DJ in 1995. <laughs> so I know you're making jokes, but uh, actually I did hear Say It Ain't So on Alt 97 today while I was out running errands before this, <laughs> oh, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, some Alt songs are just going to be there forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. I, I did hear Weezer on the Alt station while I was out running errands today. <laughs> and no doubt, I heard both of them. You you know, uh, there's going to come a day where you're not going to hear Buddy Holly on an oldie station. You're going to hear Weezer's Buddy Holly on an oldie station. And then uh, by that point, I'll just be a skeleton, uh, dust in the wind. Oh, the oldie station for sure already plays like 80s and 90s stuff. (sighs) I've heard it. I've heard it. Well, on that uh, delightful note, hi, everybody. This is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato, who clearly has the cat with her, because you can definitely hear me talking to him in the background, and I apologize. Mm-hmm. And uh, joining us it's today... Perfect. Oh, he's he's the best. He's amazing. I love him. Um, but you know who else is also the best and amazing is uh, our guest today. Uh, you know her from the Groundlings, from uh, the pack. And from those uh, Twitter videos of the White House lady, uh, Chelsea Pope, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you uh, very, very much for having me. I just saw the picture you emailed Beth. Of, I did, um, in fact, email you a picture uh, of my cat, yes. It's a beautiful chunkers. He's a beautiful chunky he is. boy. Oh. Right? He's, he's 90% Tom. <laughs> oh my god, I love, I love the Tom. So much Tom. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm... I'm uh, Happy to be here. <laughs> we are Good happy time. to have you. Delightful. So, uh, b- before we get going, uh, before we get going, one, I want Brandon to identify the White House press secretary. Go ahead, name another one. 
uh, Rudyard Kipling. Um, her, uh, I, well, okay. I, I know, I know what her name is, but I don't know how to pronounce her last name. So I panicked in the moment. Uh, it's, it's, that's a Jen Saki. So the, Saki, the okay. is silent and it's like Saki, like Saki bomb. Okay. Like, um, like the beverage. Um, gotcha. Which I also, okay. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know actually until like maybe the second or third video I made like officially how to say her name <laughs> um, because she said it in a Twitter video when she was like answering Twitter questions and she she actually said her own name and I was like okay we know that's canon now like Saki like we know Saki like the beverage that's correct we had series but we didn't know as as opposed to uh Saki extended universe this exactly. is exactly an extended universe uh you know she just she she owns the p and it's pisaki like <laughs> you know or it's um pizaki or i don't know pizone pizone jen pizone jen pizone hi i'm jen pizone come on down to jen's pizone zone pizone zone oh my gosh maybe that's how you out pizza the hut yeah yeah <laughs> But you you did have sort of a, a viral moment with those uh, those videos. How'd you how'd you get started doing those? Yeah, uh, uh, thanks. I you know I was I've been making videos for I want to say I tried to I tried to be consistently like two videos a week just about anything since about June of last year. And uh, you know the day of the inauguration, I actually got a couple of DMs from you know a couple of online friends who who sent me like screenshots of Jen Psaki in her first press briefing and they were like you look like her you look you should do a video like of, of her like I, like other people told me to do it and I was looking at her and I was like I guess I see the like I'm flattered I I think I think she's more symmetrical than me but like tight and then um you know I I just I didn't really have any sort of angle about her other than that we looked similar so I watched her first press briefing and it was just so um, delightfully boring and plain. And I just remembered thinking like, at first I was kind of like, well, I don't really know how to do like, what would be a comedic take on Jen Psaki? Also, you know, this is like a really, this is one of those days that like, you know, the, the day of the inauguration, you know, people's criticisms of Biden, you know, were set aside a little bit, you know, in, in just, we were just happy that Trump was gone, you yeah, know, kind of just thing. in getting him in there. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm I'm very progressive and a lot of my other friends are. And we certainly, you know, we we certainly take issue with some of the things that that happened. But uh, yeah, we on have that some notes. Yeah, exactly. But like on that particular day, it didn't really feel um, like if I was going to make a video that day and I wanted to, because even if it wasn't going to be the best Jen Psaki impression. I wanted to be the first one to do it. Sure. So I just wanted to get my hat in the ring like right away. Um, That's fair. And like in doing stuff like that on the internet, that that does count for something. You know, and, and yeah, like I got a couple of people who sort of joked like, wow, you know, the, the internet moves fast or whatever. But it's just like, yeah, I mean, I kind of like if you want to stand out, you know, it's um, it's tough. Like it's, you kind of have to, you know, this is the thing I've kind of learned from TikTok, and I, I really waffled on that, on that app. And, um, Oh, you're cooking you, waffles over there. Nice. I know. Right? Uh, no, that, that would, that would be, that would be pretty, that then I'd have followers. No, but, uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I didn't really understand how to do that app. And I, I feel like there were some people who popped off who just early on, like took initiative and, 
Um, I think that's kind of my big lesson that I'm that I've learned and I'm still learning is that you really don't have to be the funniest person or the best. You just got to you just got to put make the content, like just put yourself out there. And the more you do it, um, you know, people rely and respect consistency. And that's kind of, you know, and that's part of why I kind of just was like, I'm just going to figure, I'm just going to make a Jen Psaki video. And the only thing I had was just like, oh, well, she's, she's, she's not like that, that Kaylee lady, you know, she's better than, than the last three press secretaries we've had. So I just made it, you know, um, I wanted to just kind of, I kind of took that to the extreme where she was very nurturing and sweet and whatever. And obviously she's more multifaceted as a person than that. And, uh, but that was the first video and it went well. So uh i i kept doing them I'm, I'm still figuring out how to how to play her because um it's diminishing returns when you play something too flat so um yeah, yeah that's kind of i'm i'm really trying to explore like what else can can be done i've tried some physical humor i've tried sort of some some gentle very very gentle uh uh a, a criticism of the current administration <laughs> i've gotten some pushback on both of those things and uh, i'm just you know i can't you can't make content for other people as, as well that's another lesson but anyway i could go on for a hundred years about um what i'm figuring out with that but uh oh no it's it's yeah. it, go on for as long as i do it's it's fascinating <laughs> oh no thanks uh i mean yeah that's i mean that's pretty much it though i just um like i'm probably gonna make a gen video this week uh but i have no idea what i'm gonna what I'm going to do. I mean, there's only so many jokes you can make about a kindergarten classroom or, or how yeah. much, imma- how immature Peter Ducey is on Fox. It's like, I don't want to like make the same jokes over and over. Cause it's like, then, then it, then it really is just an SNL gag. And I yeah. mean, uh, you know, not to punch. I feel like, I feel like people who joke about SNL at this point are punching down. It's not really fair. You know, it's like a cheap shot. Like we all know that SNL has, has some serious ups and downs, but, uh, Anyway, I, I was figuring it out, figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one of the I think more difficult things about this particular administration, mm-hmm. who were all elected on the promise of being boring. Yeah, that yeah. like it's yeah it's just a bunch of really boring people who've been around for a really long time. Yes, and that's you know there's none there's of them are screaming of... at you exactly, and and a lot of people find that comforting, which was a big draw on those those first um, those first few gen videos was just people, you know, people kind of just projecting onto me what they felt about the administration at, at large, which was just I'm so happy to be bored. You know, I'm just so sure. happy. I'm so I feel so. Oh, this is so wholesome and comforting. This is not not like the shrieking blonde lady or whatever. You know, people say whatever they want, and um, you know, it, I mean, at the same time, it's tough because yeah, where do you go with that? You know, where do you? How do you find that balance between? You know, something something that feel like like feel good humor, but also like uh, you know, finding what's weird or funny or silly about someone um without without alienating the 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 public i guess i guess if that make if that makes sense i mean yeah i mean we're basically giving our our listeners a free like uh character comedy oh there you go (laughs) that's that's what i've always uh really liked about all of the characters that i've seen seen you do is that they're they're so specific 
in like whatever the weird minute little thing is. Like I, I saw you do a show where you were basically just like playing someone's aunt uh, for the entirety of this show, and it was so oh, yeah. <laughs> weird and specific. Yeah. Like every little detail felt so. Oh, was it so... the Thanksgiving one we went to? I yeah, I think so. It was a holiday show. Oh my gosh, that was a good time. That was a fun show. I didn't know what to. Do. I didn't. I was. Uh, I, you know. I. I remember. You were everybody's when, aunt. You were. Everybody's yeah. Aunt. Yeah. Exactly. Just had a really, one really good mug. <laughs> one real. Yeah. I just needed a good mug, and then uh, the tea thing just kind of was a physical thing that that was a happy accident. But that's part of it. That's part of like you find you have to you have to start with just making a choice, and then the other that helps inform your other decisions as you go along, and. Uh, that was that was a fun show. That was a fun time. And I think that's like one of the the big sort of lessons of, of sketch comedy is like mm-hmm. to not be not be so precious about it because like it's at the end of the day it's kind of a volume game. It, it absolutely it absolutely is, and it's uh, you know whether it's about comedy or just like art and creativity in general. Like I I'm like in the midst of trying to like get back into a place of feeling like consistent and and you know i had a little bit of a lull like for about a week or so uh, just focusing on other things and then it's like getting back into making videos or writing comedy it's like um like julia cameron talks about it in the artist's way where you just kind of have to you know yeah not be precious you have to you have to write every single day you have to um you have to go out and make experiences and fill the well and uh yeah, at the end, I mean, really, it is. Yeah, it's a numbers game more than anything. You know, the more that you allow yourself to fail, the more likely you're gonna, you know, you, like the more likely you're gonna strike gold. The more, the more, more likely you're gonna improve. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Well, so now uh, before we get into uh, the, today's B A N A N A S topic, uh, is that was that that's no doubt that's uh, no yes, that's Gwen that's, no that's just Gwen. Well, uh, I don't know. It's all related. We'll get into it. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 Exactly. It all—it's—it's it's all, it's all connected, man. Um, but before we get into that, um, why don't we go through some stuff we're into this week? Uh, if anyone has something they'd like to share, awesome. If not, I—I I got something locked and loaded. Go for it. Go, babe. So the thing I'm into this week is Matt Berry's music. Barry, as you all, uh, if you've listened to this show, you know who Matt Barry is. But if you don't, he's uh, he's an actor and comedian. He's uh, yeah. 
He's Laszlo on What We Do in the Shadows. He did uh, Snuffbox uh, in the UK with Rich Fulcher. He was on Mighty Boosh. He did... Uh, he was the second uh, boss on uh, noted transphobe Graham Linehan's IT crowd. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, he's been releasing albums for about a decade now. And they're all really fascinating because like a lot of times if a comedian decides to release a record it's just gonna be you know comedy songs or you know at worst like you know Don Johnson's album Mm. but uh Matt Berry's music is this like weird like baroque pop that like isn't funny in the slightest but has this like really sort of like darkly whimsical vibe like it it all it all sounds like it could have been like recorded from like weird instruments he found in an abandoned church oh my gosh (laughs) and like it it's all really really cool um and he's pretty consistent too he's basically put out an album every 18 months for the last decade or so um, the one I've listened to the most is called Television Themes, which is uh, slightly different from his other stuff, but all it is is just covers of British TV show themes from, like, the 60s and 70s, like Are You Being Served, or Top of the Pops, or, uh, the, like, OG Doctor Who theme, uh, and it's all really cool. Um, he put out a live record, uh, with his band The Maypoles, which is a, it's just a good place to start because uh, I'm always going to suggest something live first. Um, but, like, it makes sense, too, that he would put out as much music as he does. He um, he did all the music for Snuffbox, um, and, like, all of his stuff has always been pretty musical, if not, like, a capital M musical. Um, but, yeah, it's just really, like, fascinating, weird like set like throwback 70s like art pop from uh one of the funniest dudes in the world uh making me deeply jealous <laughs> i love it yeah he's he's great i mean he's he's um yeah his i mean i love what we do in the shadows probably one of my favorite um current tv shows and his character laszlo is you know especially watching the the movie and going to the show yeah i mean it's just like I feel like he just came in and they like created a character around him. Like they just were like, we're just. Ha- it's what not even Matt a character. Barry- it's just Matt Barry. It's exactly. Like- what if Matt Barry was a vampire? Like it's just, it is just him and it's yeah. so good. It's um, so good. And like. The best line. He has such specific delivery, but he also, he's mm-hmm. just, he, he's an actor with like a very specific He does a very specific thing and he has yes. a very specific kind of delivery and he's very good at playing very oblivious people that's what toast of london is that's what his character on it crowd is he's very good at the person who is people who are oblivious but high status yeah he's very good at being the person who is completely comfortable with who he is and has no idea what the people around him are talking about oh yeah he's so self he's so self-satisfied like he carries himself with it's like the ultimate fool character like he carries himself with such high regard and is also simultaneously 
um, the, the biggest dork in the room in a given moment. Like the, you know, I mean, he's, uh, it's just, yeah. It's so I, I, can, I can guarantee in about 15 years, they're going to cast him as Falstaff in like a Royal Shakespeare production. Oh, and it's yeah. going to be fucking awesome. Oh, he's so like that. Oh man. I, but, but you could do it now. He's, that, oh yeah. You nailed that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's my thing for the week. Uh, Matt Berry's uh, pretty prolific music career. Uh, anybody else want to go? Yeah, mine's uh less fun because we've both been watching, but you and I both this week are mm. really into watching the different Nexium documentaries. Ooh. Yeah. But I love a good cult documentary. Um, I watched all of the episodes of the one on HBO, which is like. 100% just like ex cult member apologist documentary. Um, I don't I, like it's really not even clear like who is making it. Like, the it's it's a it, I would call it the unreliable narrator of documentaries because yeah. it has so much, um, like primary source because it's largely put together from footage that like a guy who was in Nexium and was there like video guy and like his whole job was to like document everything yeah so it's all this really great primary sources but like who is interviewing them and like who is telling this story and what the lens is supposed to be is like very unreliable and unclear and it's yeah. basically these two people who like ran the vancouver branch and i'm not saying what happened to them isn't terrible and they don't deserve to have their side of the story told they absolutely do um, and they are absolutely victims, and and there's 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 no two ways about it. One of the women is one of the women who was branded, literally. Oh like like yeah. there's like there's nothing funny about the fact that they were you know brainwashed and controlled. But like this documentary is like very much like very clearly them trying to like justify having wasted twenty years of their life. Um, <laughs> and like, I watch a lot of cult documentaries, so I knew that I could tell that right away. I was still fine with it. I still watched it. Brandon watched some of them and then he switched over to the other one, which has a much clearer lens and is told also from a later point in time than the HBO one. Anyway, I love a good cult documentary. I watched the Heaven's Gate one a little while ago and now I watch the next same one. <laughs> and now we've started watching the QAnon one. I think the other the other big difference between uh, the vow, which is the HBO one uh, with uh, the movie guy, yeah, that's and uh, seduced, which was the one on Stars, is that like the one on Stars actually gives you some context, which is what I felt was really missing from the other one. Is that there's like so many episodes of this thing, and there's nine of them, uh, wow. are like them sort of explaining like why that like why they thought how like entrancing they found this guy and how like useful and helpful they found this curriculum and like it goes out of its way to kind of like defend like oh no he was he was fine oh yeah i mean it's definitely like i said it's an unreliable narrator of a documentary in that it's being told exclusively through the lens of these people that like as they're talking about like executive success programs, ESP, which is how they got involved in Nexium. Like as they're talking about it, like it's very clear that they still very much believe in some of the teachings of this thing, and that like they actually got a lot of value out of that part of the program. And like, not to be like to a cult's credit, but like there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that went through that program 
that did not get like later indoctrinated into the cult. It was basically a marching, it was a multi-level marketing scheme originally. And it just, it, it turned into a cult with these people that became like so invested in the company that they like literally invested their lives in the company and became part of it and got like obsessed with this guy. But like, there is a part of it that was legitimately just like a like self-help like there was a part of it that there was a part of it that like wasn't that different from like a self-actualization workshop you could take online like yeah and that part of it is true like that is true but it's definitely this documentary is definitely told through the lens of people who like absolutely drank the kool-aid did find something really valuable in it and are like really trying to justify like what they found of value in it and like why they stuck around and like they're really trying to justify themselves um but because they're trying to justify themselves because they're trying to justify themselves the lens is incredibly subjective where this is this is what i'm saying is that it's not clear who the storyteller is it's not clear who the documentarian is it's not clear how it's being presented it's it's just being presented in a very subjective way considering it's being presented as a documentary yeah um that's all i'm just saying take it with a grain of salt but again i already knew about some of this when we started watching them um because i love real and i'm fascinated by cult shit um whereas like i i didn't and so like i watched six episodes of this thing and was like i i feel like i'm like like I felt like I was missing something like I didn't see where until they they mentioned like all the branding and shit like that which really doesn't come up until like episode six um I was like I don't what I don't get what like this just this sucks but I don't understand and then I, I watched the other one and it would just immediately puts everything in in a more straightforward like Here's what these people were being taught. Here's what this dude's history was. Here's all the other like shady, gross shit he'd been involved in. So actually, you if you had watched one more episode, although I think the one you watched actually had this, the one with his early girlfriend that like goes into how she met him when he was still just like the consumer, like the consumer buyer guy. Yeah, that's in there a little bit, but it's still it's still kind of with that whole like, Oh, yeah, but it definitely goes into how, like, he had been a business guy and he, this isn't his first MLM. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think, again, I think it has to do with your background and your context. I think if you come into it as someone who, like, is, is like, fascinated by cults as I am and has, like, spent a lot of time, like, reading and watching things about, like, profiling and, like, the human psychology and brainwashing and stuff, like, I think there are, there are point A to point C jumps that the documentary asks you to do that were fine for me, but would probably have been very boring and annoying for you. <laughs> but anyway, I really have enjoyed the vow and that's what I'm into this week. Uh, Chelsea, what about you? Um, gosh, what have I, what have I, I can't even remember yesterday. Uh, yeah, true. Accurate. <laughs> real. I mean, you know, talking about HBO, I mean, I guess I, I don't know how. It doesn't have to be a piece of media. I once said I was into my cat. It's fine. Yeah. Or, or rest. Yeah, I'm always into my cat. I'm always into rest. Uh, I'm, I'm, into, uh, I'm into peace and quiet, which is a, something I'm not really <laughs> getting a lot around my, my building. I'll be honest, that's been a huge distraction for me the last uh, few days because they're, uh, I live in one of those old sort of like 1920s uh, buildings in Los Feliz and uh, the building owners have decided they want to renovate the elevator 
And uh, I mean, I don't know if you can hear it in the background. I certainly can. I feel like I live in like a like a, a logging thing, <laughs> saw like in a sawmill. Ooh, totally get you. We also live in a we also live in a not that old, but like sixties, seventies building in Los Feliz, and they're doing um, earthquake retrofitting on our building for oh, three months. Oh, delightful! So, it's yeah. just like, this whole neighborhood is just a cacophony of needless noise. There's just mm-hmm. I I I was hearing like these intense sawing coming from inside. Now it's outside today, but it was inside yesterday, and there was also like hammering and and drilling going on outside. I felt like I was just in a in a uh, Home Depot sandwich or something. It just was not a good time. Um, but yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm like, I guess it's okay. That I guess it's for the best if they're renovating that stuff. I never use the elevator because I'm only one floor up, so I take the stairs. But uh, yeah, that what. So yeah, what I'm into is a good night's sleep, peace and quiet. Um, I tend to stay up uh, way too late at night, which is that's the that's on me, my my own insomnia that I should better manage. But uh, oh yeah, that's uh, relatable. Yeah. I have earplugs because I'm just like, well, if I'm gonna go to bed at three a.m., I sure the fuck don't want to get woken up at seven thirty when they start doing lawn work at seven thirty. Exactly. Oh, there's that too. I, I I'm like, what what are you? what are you mowing? What are you like? There are no, there are, there's hardly any shrubbery on my street and they find things to trim. It's crazy. And then by the time that's all done, um, the people in the building next over start working on their music sample, which is like the same sample they've been working on for like over a year. And mm. it's just, yeah. Our oh, upstairs yeah. neighbor seems to move furniture around all day and then play drums at night. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Wow. These people, I mean, you got, you got to have, you got to have someone in your, you're like, are you really living in an apartment building if somebody isn't like be trying to become the next DJ or like constantly right. moving around their furniture? I mean, I guess we're really fortunate because we've been here six years and this neighbor's only been here for a few months. So for the first six years, we didn't have any issues with noise with our upstairs neighbors ever. Um, been nice. It was, <laughs> and I missed it. I miss it dearly. But. Oh, man. I think really what you're into, I think what we're both into is just some fucking peace and quiet. Exactly. (laughs) That's that's the thing that I'm so into and I don't get enough of. And then, I mean, that's not even, that's not, notwithstanding just trying to make videos or do self tapes. And it's like, I mean, forget about it with this noise. It's just anyway. Um, I, 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 I tend to go the negative. I should have said something more positive. Like, uh, uh, nah, doesn't you know, matter. Tight. Okay, great. Uh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm all for no being like, I'm, we know what I'm into <laughs> this week. Some fucking peace and quiet. That's all how I feel. Really. Yeah. That's how I actually yeah. feel. I had to go back and take a nap because I went back. I, I went to sleep at, oh God, like 5 a.m. Something awful. And then sure enough, I started hearing noise at like 9 a.m. Maybe if I think earlier than that. And then. I uh, had an audition at, at 10 15 and then as soon as that ended I was like I, I, I gotta try and take a nap before I do this this podcast and um yeah it's just Sawmill City outside oh man what a life um yeah Los Angeles <laughs> it'd be like that man it'd be like that yeah well we we have we have no doubt that you're uh, <laughs> you're into peace and quiet this week Ooh, uh <laughs> I, you know what that's almost not a bad one it, right but <laughs> it's it's still a bad one but it's almost not a bad one one day babe one day you'll get it a good bad one is fun a good bad transition is oh is, yeah 
I will, no. That's that's yeah. the that's the that's the second subtitle of this show. <laughs> look, look, don't don't speak. I know what you're thinking. My transition was perfect, oh. and that's all the references <laughs> I have. I don't even, yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so uh, no doubt, uh, yeah. uh, Gwen, Gwen and her merry band. Um, how did you how did you discover No Doubt and, and and what about their music sort of spoke to you? Let's see. Okay, so I think the first time I really listened to No Doubt, although I'd probably heard their like hits on the radio since I was like in in kindergarten or whatever. I was born in 1990 to give context of like my age range as this stuff was happening. Um, I probably wasn't. It, it wasn't until I was maybe about like eight or nine I think that I started to I think maybe it was eight I I remember my babysitter was playing uh Tragic Kingdom like just the album from start to finish while they were because we would go to her house and and be babysat after school and she would just play that album from start to finish while she would do like some random cleaning task and like Christopher Lowell on HGTV would be on at the same time it'd just be all kinds of noise but the 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 noise of the particularly like the trumpets and the sax you know that that really appealed to me and I remembered that was probably one of my first um, that was probably one of my first albums that made me feel like uh, like I had good taste like I remember we went to the we went to the Virgin Records uh, megastore R.I.P. Uh, Virgin Records at the uh, Ontario Mills I grew up in Rancho Cucamonga and and the Ontario Mills was the hub for a while. And uh, I remember getting my copy of Tragic Kingdom there and just listening to that all the time. I mean, that's just like a perfect album. But then in my in my fanhood, I started to look at their other music. And, um, you know, Tragic Kingdom is actually their third album. Yep. And their earlier stuff is... Uh, but it's I also mean, the first one that, like, has the band kind of as we know it. Yes. Because, like, she wasn't even originally the lead singer of the band. Exactly. It was, like, some other dude. She was yeah. just her brother's... It, it was her brother's band, and she was just, like, a backup singer. Exactly. And then, like, when her brother wasn't the star anymore, he basically quit, which is such a little shitty thing to do. Although I... I I would like to note he quit to resume his career in animation on The Simpsons. So like he did just fine. Oh yeah, he's he's had a good he, he's had a good life. I don't I don't worry about Eric Stefani for a second. He's a he's a man of many talents, but uh, certainly no doubt was his and John Spence's baby. And uh, they you know they needed someone who was like a secondary vocalist. They needed some they needed some female energy and. Uh, you know, Gwen Stefani, she, you know, she hopped in there and she had a little crush on the bassist. And like, it just what, what's the part of what's so great about No Doubt is just they're so quintessentially SoCal. And there's this oh, yeah. really, this great coming of age quality, like, you know, of their story as a band that is so, like, I find very personally endearing. And, um, you know, Gwen Stefani's a very, like, uh, I mean, I still feel in, uh, essentially this way about Gwen, even though when she went solo, it was like, I mean, I had a crisis of faith at that time. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, you know, throughout her time in No Doubt, that was, um, I mean, she was, she's a role model for myself and like so many other, you know, millennial ladies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that the, the fun thing about No Doubt too is just that it, it was, 
it was a band that you saw someone self, you, you saw multiple people, but especially Gwen, like really self-actualized while she was part of this um, initially as sort of like this tag along, like kid sister. And uh, that's also part of what makes like just a girl and, and the, the hits on tragic kingdom, you know, so great is that, you know, it really was, it, it really was her just finding her own, I think artistic merit and her her own I think accessing her own and sort really of really stepping forward to become the front woman of the band. Like Absolutely. It was, I mean it and was it, a really cool combination I think. You're right in that like it on the one hand it was all of these it, I don't I don't want to say feminist but much more feminine focused songs. Mm-hmm. Like she was just all of a sudden the front woman of of this of this band that you know no one had really heard like they'd had some success but like when she was suddenly the front woman the songs just suddenly changed but they worked like mm-hmm. I, I I don't know I'm I'm not sure what I'm really trying to say I'm not articulating this I think it's just like the dichotomy the dichotomy of what she was saying with the timing of her suddenly being thrust into the front of the band yes is what made it so powerful I think her taking taking ownership of being the lead which I mean they you know then then it moved on into the next phase where it was kind of just all about Gwen which they address in the don't speak video and 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 other other instances uh you know in their in their creative careers but uh yeah I mean I think there's something really empowering and 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 cool about uh, Gwen Stefani's story, at, at least, especially really in that chapter where she um, she she expressed, you know, a lot of a lot of frustrations, a lot of that that female uh, girl in suburbia frustration that hadn't really, I think, been articulated so well, you know, um, and and yeah, in in such a like quintessentially SoCal way. Too. Yeah, I just. Oh, she, I mean, she really was, she, she really wasn't an, 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 an excellent, uh, role model and figure as a, as a young lady coming of age, you know, in spite of like the things that, that I, you know, took issue with, with her going, uh, on the solo path and, and, uh, you know, all that, all that, all that followed. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, no doubt leading up to tragic kingdom, they had, uh they're, they're just they're just a very human band they're just a very uh i i find them just they're also a very consistent band as yeah. 90s bands go yeah um like yes they had some early change-ups in in lineup like unfortunately um unfortunately you know john spence took his own life yeah early on and that's when she became the lead singer and uh, you know, her brother left eventually because he didn't really want to like do stuff. So they had some like, they had some starts and stops, but like it's generally been a pretty consistent. It's been like Gwen Stefani, Tom Dumont, Tony Canal, and Adrian Young for the majority of their time. Mm-hmm. And then after their first album, they added uh, Gabriel McNair, and yes. like that's kind of been the core of the band for a while. I mean, they've really, yeah, exactly. They've kind of always just kept the train going, which is great. I also love that they're one of the only 90s bands that got away with, like, uh, surviving ska, basically. Like, they still have a they still have a horn mm-hmm. section, but don't get the same shit a lot of other ska bands do. Yeah, I mean, but, you know... Because they're so poppy. To that note, yeah, I think they, they did a really great job 
bridging that that gap transitioning um i'll say i'm not a i'm, I'm really not a big rock steady fan but i appreciate that album for what it was and the recognition it and it received um as far as them making their like i think at that point no doubt had fully evolved into their the the mainstream pop figures that they you know that, that would they they reached their their necessary apex i think at that point um maybe not creatively but certainly commercially and um that's yeah and that all comes from consistency that they, they all you know even in their post no doubt careers like what tony canal and, and adrian young you know they're they're all still active creators and artists and they really they love producing music and and that's and that's you know i i, I just i find that really um I find that really delightful and wholesome in its own right. Um, there's something there. There's something very. Um, there's something very pure about these people who came together and they just really enjoyed making music. And um, they, you know, in spite of the pitfalls of no doubt and the the trial and errors of the, you know, the, it didn't. It really. It didn't seem like they were going to make it. You know. And then, uh, especially when it's like they're they're getting this break from Interscope and like Eric Stefani is having these creative issues and it's like you know they for them to manage to kind of not only get over that hump but to I mean to really flourish is um, a huge accomplishment you know and Um, also like I mean not just the timing of you know her and Eric's creative differences but even you know from the very beginning like I mentioned you know John John Spence unfortunately took his life like literally weeks before they were supposed to play at the Roxy in front of in front of record executives I mean yeah they've been mired with um and this is something again it's like I can't help but project my own personal life experiences and feelings onto this it's like from the get-go they just had a lot of disadvantages like that where it's just or setbacks that you know could have understandably ended that that band's journey, you know, and um, but they still just they still just did it, you know. They still just they still just they went for it, and they they kind of there was a there was a little bit of a revelry in that struggle that is um, you know very inspiring for for people and certainly myself. I'm not an, a musician, but uh, you know as a comedian and whatnot it's like you see people who just sort of um uh they accept that they're they're like an an acceptance and a revelry of not being um on a fast track to success or whatever you know i'm like not not letting that destroy your identity uh i think is 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 it's huge you know Yeah. yeah especially because like back in the the 90s especially and we've talked about this in a couple of shows recently that like the worst thing you could do was quote unquote sell out you yeah. know like i remember yeah. when when all star hit i heard so many people be like oh, smash mouth they were good until they sold out mm-hmm. and this was admittedly sorry, from did like anybody know smash mouth before? i know i'm like i don't know their identity prior to to that so yeah apparently there were a lot of you know fans of the first smash mouth record in my like fourth or fifth grade class um (laughs) but like that that was always held up as like the worst thing you could do 
Yeah, the 90s was such a shitty dichotomy for that, too, because everybody was trying to be successful, but as soon as they were successful, everybody called them a sellout. And it's like, well, you yeah. can't have it both ways. Exactly. And that's the same thing in comedy. It's, it's absolutely the same in, in any any creative field where you're making your own, you're, you know, you're making your own work and you're putting it out there. It's like, I mean... I mean, you can go all the way back to like the, I mean, any sort of, any sort of like famous painting, you know, that those were, it was likely a commission. It's like, we, we, we drag artists for the selling out when like the whole, the whole point, the dream point is, is to, sell to, your art. is to, yeah, is to support is to, yourself by selling your art. Like it's not yes. coming to terms yeah. with the business of it, coming to terms with that being part of the identity of a successful artist is that you have to be a business person. You know, um, that's, uh, you know, and that's, there are people who just uh, on the outside of that, you know, fans or otherwise who don't, they don't know that, you know, Um, they don't see that, you know. Um, Or like don't understand what the business of it is. Right. You know, know, like that the the purest art is what's made in privacy on your own time. You don't do it for anyone else's approval or any other, you know, the the reality is like you have to the reality, the reality is record executives exist and they can keep your record from coming out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's so many strings, there's so many strings attached to it. And the, and to talk about this selling out, I mean, we got to look at what the pure luxury it is to make art that isn't, uh, that isn't a form of selling out or whatever. I mean, to have to, to that, that, that's, that's unfair to put that pressure on someone to you know, to to make that. And then also you're also appealing to that person. It's not, there's no, yeah, I'm losing my words here, but I feel like you know what I'm saying. No, but yeah, it is. It's it's like a shitty, it's a shitty thing where like if somebody accuses. It's hypocritical. Or, it's, it's hypocritical and it's also usually based in jealousy. It's usually like, yo, if you got offered that record deal, you would have signed it in a fucking heartbeat. Don't lie to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think my the hypocrisy of it being that like you have people who accuse you of selling out or this or that. It's like you're you're getting mad that I'm not making art that that appeals to you, which is that's I'm making art that appeals to more people. But it's, it's still like it, you're not really mad that this person lost their pureness or whatever. You're just mad that they didn't. They didn't do the the thing that you like, which was the, the same thing that I felt like with Rocksteady. And when when I heard Gwen's first um, her first solo, her first radio single, "What You Waiting For," and I was like, Jesus Christ, what? <laughs> no. And uh, I, you know, at the same time, I'm like, no, but I get it. Like, this is I as a as a fan, it's like coming to terms with the fact that Gwen, you know is allowed to grow and change as an she artist. Is, like, exactly, exactly. Whether or not I like her. in a vacuum. She's a person, exactly. not a <laughs> She, If No Doubt wants to make a dance album, fucking, they're absolutely entitled to do that. And Rocksteady is a knockout album as far as dance, pop rock albums go. That's a knockout album. It's great. Um, you know, I, 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 it ranks on the bottom of the list for me, but it, it's, it absolutely achieved what they had wanted to achieve. Just like, you know, Gwen Stefani with her solo career and which, which actually the more space I created to appreciate that music, the more I really started to 
enjoy things like um, if I if I was a rich girl, wind it up. I mean, you know, she has a lot of like a lot of her inspirational roots come from like classical musical theater, which I absolutely adore. It's so funny. And yeah, it's so like when I heard wind it up, I just remembered like in V in the VH1 behind the music, her talking about like the sound of music being her favorite musical. And I was like, oh, this feels like a little Easter egg. <laughs> just like <laughs> there's something so endearing and sweet. And then she turned it into this like really fucking great song. I love wind it up. Um, and and I and I love Hollow Back Girl too. I mean, do you know she may, she knows how to make a catchy bop? Like it's a classic. Yeah. yeah, these are these are bops, whether you like it or not. And you know, Gwen wants to make fashion. She's been sewing dresses since she was in since she was uh, you know since she was a kid. You know, she's she wanted to be her number one goal in life was to be a wife and a homemaker. She like she she says that she openly states that and there's there's nothing wrong with that transparency she doesn't she's not she doesn't have to exist within the box of what you think girl power is these are all the things that i had to come to terms with when i was like 13 and stuff and it's just like that's the truth of it like the ultimate empowering thing is that she reached a point in her life where she could truly do whatever she wants you know and what's better than that and i think gwen stefani is a perfect example of in this not that we don't do this to male artists, but per usual, we are so much worse to women than we are to them and we are to men. But she, I think, is a really quintessential, perfect example of an artist that we do th- we, we, we do this thing to artists and we do this particularly this thing to female artists where as soon as they create, they create any kind of like financial success for themselves, we as a society treat art like it's this commodity that should only be being done for the love of it how dare we be making art how dare we be making money off our art it's art shouldn't we only be doing it for the love of it i mean i want you to produce it and create it for me and and give me exactly what i want but how dare you then make a living off of it we get so offended when artists make a living off of things we get so offended when she writes a fucking pop banger because she knows it's going to be a pop banger we talked about this on an episode like a week or two ago too i i think i talked about it in the context of lady gaga of how people would get so mad when she openly admitted like yeah i wrote this like using math because that's how you write a pop banger like (laughs) um and you don't have lady gaga without gwen stefani like she really paved the ground for a really unapologetic artist saying like no i'm doing this because i want my art to be successful and that doesn't make it any less valid art um, and she got a lot of shit for it. And it's and, the, and, the, and it's, it's dumb when you think about that. Lady Gaga is someone who's such a master of her brand and what she yeah what she creates. I mean that's and and yeah. so is so yeah. is Gwen Stefani. I'm just saying, like you don't have Lady Gaga without Gwen Stefani. No, I agree. I mean, if they were Pokemon cards, you know, Lady Gaga would be that second evolution after the whatever the oh, yeah. feature is. Like, for sure. I don't know the names of like for any sure. of them. Whatever the thing happens after Squirtle, that's what that's what Lady Gaga or Turtle. Yeah, she's just a bigger Smore turtle. turtle. Yeah, s'more turtle. Okay, there you go. No, war turtle. War turtle. But if he was called s'more turtle, I would be so there for it. <laughs> Sorry, I know the names of too many Pokemon. I just went with it. I was like, oh yeah, s'more turtle. He's s'more turtle. S'more turtle is a is a chocolate and marshmallow type Pokemon. I mean, that sounds delicious. But yeah, I mean, she's absolutely like a self made businesswoman. Like you're right. She went and she founded those those clothing companies and like did what she wanted to do she did exactly what she wanted to, like like it's sort of this like full she's gone full circle from like 
who she was as like a as as a kid you know um you know like she was the kid sister in the band yeah being the kid sister in the band who just sort of didn't have like she didn't really articulate larger aspirations than than wanting to just be be a a domestic being a wife and a mom you know and like so she had these home ec skills with the with the sewing and she got she developed more flair with her fashion and then as she became sort of this this front person in the band I mean that really was an opportunity for her to again yeah to self-actualize and and um you know become her own person it it would be greater yeah and also in the 90s when I mean we're all kind of talking about it like in the zeitgeist at the moment because of the Britney documentary, but like yeah. where it was not a great time to be a female pop star in the nineties. Wait, what? No, you were, you were, you had so many other hands in the pie, you know, you had so many other people just manipulating everything you do. Um, and the way it was examined, she's, yeah. she's Gwen Stefani is another woman who has had uh, again, like almost like she not to be like she was someone before someone like lady gaga but like she was taylor swift before taylor swift everybody was obsessed with her relationships yes i mean and it was part of the it is part it was written into her music and so people Mm -hmm. you know they start they start getting all zodiac with it and analyzing the lyrics and whatever what everything meant you know off stage to the songs at hand and uh i mean you know shout out to tony canal for keep keeping a you know keeping it cool and just go go rolling with it you know like that's that's true like band camaraderie being able to like you know stick with it when when part of the literal onstage play which they they totally leaned into was this this tension that the two of them had as 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 exes you know mm-hmm. uh sharing yeah. the stage together i mean that's something i really love about like live in the tragic kingdom in particular which was one of my favorite vhs as a kid which was just watching how that was handled in a in a tongue tongue-in-cheek way i mean that's just one of the greatest concerts i've ever watched and I'm just i would have loved to have been there in person but Damn, uh, i didn't realize they were on their fleetwood mac shit <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, I mean, it's a big part. I mean, I mean that's one of the big parts of No Doubt is that the two of them oh, dated so for big. so long and then basically broke up for the band. Yeah. And Damn. and the way that that sort of, that, that, I mean, in a way, it was like the sacrifice that had been made that sort of took things uh, lyrically and artistically to the next level for them. I mean, it really, it sort of, it, it, t- it took things, it added an, an extra layer of, of, um, I don't know, life experience and maturity, I guess, you know. It did, but it, but at the same time, Tony Canal didn't have to deal, deal with the coverage and the shit. Yeah. The way that people, it was all about her. They broke up and it was all about scandal for her. Nobody, none of the focus of the coverage was on him. Nobody was following him around asking him about it. They're just like, oh, he's just the whoa, whatever. He's just the bassist. But then, you know, yeah, exactly. She's then she dates Gavin Rosdale, and there's the, mm-hmm. the infidelity and the and the the divorce and the and you know and the with with Blake Sheldon and the, oh my gosh, it's I mean you know it's, it's the whole thing. Yeah, she's just she's one of those women that people have been obsessed with her relationships. It's for since she was a child, and she God bless her for not being crazier. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. God bless everyone. I mean, it's it's important that you brought that up too, because it's like I I go to the grocery store even just like like a day ago, and I I look at these these you know like tabloid magazines they have, and I and I see I've seen Gwen on the cover almost every time, and it's just crazy that like it, it's always a surprise and a reminder that that is part of her identity now is that that is you know that is 
her sh- her shit has to be speculated into and 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 picked apart which you know i i i don't have interest in it i don't care i don't i don't i really don't know i don't follow that that part of her i don't i don't really i don't really follow i don't either but i'm still aware that it's something that people talk about it is. that she is one of those women that is known for her relationships and i just know that through living in society and that's not fair to her and that sucks for her and she you know came came of age and came to prominence during the 90s a time in which we were particularly cruel to women on that front Mm -hmm. so like i have to respect the hell out of you know her still fucking doing her shit that she didn't she didn't lose it that she didn't drop out of the scene that she didn't decide like hey i'm fucking done with this this sucks no i'm i'm i i nothing but respect for for my girl gwen and just yeah exactly it's going into like what we talked about with lady gaga as well just the the idea that like no this is a person who just takes agency of what they do and they're you know they're not going to they're not going to acquiesce to you know some invisible subset of fans that are you know that that need things to be just so you know so if you had to pick a favorite off tragic kingdom um off of tragic kingdom ooh gosh my favorite song on there you know it's probably sunday morning I love that whole, top to bottom that album is just like it's hard not to see it as just one big track but like yeah but, but Sunday morning has um you know it has a it has a it has just such a such a quintessential like sweetness of it that I think really captures like the playfulness at, of that band um and I mean the music video it like if I if I could only show someone like one thing of no doubt like that would probably be if i could only play them one song that would be the song if i could only show them one music video that would be the video is it does it encapsulate everything is it probably their best song no is it their best whatever music video no but like that energy to like with the spaghetti fight and just the 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 upbeat energy of it there's the the lyrics themselves being sort of this like this 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 energy of like having a comeback despite (laughs) despite being undermined or like despite being discredited or put down uh by your 
past or past relationships, like, you know, the, the inevitability of change and, and how that's, how that's actually a positive thing. And that's taken positively in that song. And it's, um, and it, it, oh man, I just love, I, that's probably my favorite on the album too. It's such totally a I, I do have to admit, I know it's a classic. I know it's the first track. I skip spiderwebs. Spiderwebs is, I, I, I have, why. I, I don't know why. why it's just, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's sometimes it just, you just have a song that you just can't do. And I don't know what it is. Something about that song just can't do. I hear you, man. I mean, there's always, there's the ones that you like and, and you can appreciate the songs without like wanting to listen to every one of them. Like, I feel that I, I personally, I feel that way about just a girl. I feel like it's not, Yeah, it doesn't, just know. a girl doesn't do a lot for me either to be totally you honest. You know, I mean, and both the, this is all with the asterisk of like, yeah, but this album's perfect. Like that having been said in my eyes, yeah. at least in my eyes, this album is perfect. But that being said, there are obviously bigger nuggets of gold than others. And like, um, yeah. I, 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 love, I absolutely yeah. agree. I just think like of, it's, I mean, it's an album that has, you know, four of their most famous songs on it, on one fucking album. It's got Spiderwebs, Just a Girl, Sunday Morning, and Don't Speak on it. Like, it's a banger of an album. This whole album is just, like, the, the best sip of orange juice you've ever had in your life. It's just such yeah. a great... That's why she's holding it on the cover. That's why she's holding that orange. Plus, they're from Anaheim, so, you know, they're deep in Orange County. I love what they're riffing on, how it, they just own that as part of their identity with the orange fields and Tragic Kingdom with the with the the remain seated, please. And then the, they're, you know, oh my gosh. I, I love when that song just, like, I love when the album just completely, that song just sort of is like a crash landing at the end. And then the, the, the Star Wars theme plays and just, oh, it's so fun. I mean, I just really... Uh, every bit of it too oh, i'm looking i'm looking at the track list now just to refresh myself but like i mean excuse me mister's a, a great song i like everything that has a driving beat in it on this album just because of the energy and and then the, the climb that's a great song just about endurance like that's just such a great such a great layered song all and all of eric's songs are so long on this album it's his so songs great. are all epics you know and he's like that with his old stuff too all of the they're all epics like his it's just so funny because his writing style is so like dramatic and long compared to like the much poppier stuff that yeah, she wrote. <laughs> yeah. But it's all but it all it all comes together though. Like it makes it it makes for a great balanced album. But like yeah, I mean you really see that. He goes wild on the other stuff. For sure. It's just like know that if a song is over four minutes, if it's over uh four minutes, it's possibly an Eric Stefani song. If it's over five, it's definitely an Eric Stefani song. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean when you well, I mean, you know, case in point, like look at Beacon Street Collection and everything there is is like a a a big it's a big slice of brain from Eric Stefani. And I now granted I love Beacon Street Collection and I love uh their subtitles. I mean, it is an outtakes album too, you know. But I mean, but yeah, it's 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 you can listen to Beacon Street and see that they're still trying to find that that balance. Like every song has a different sound to it, <laughs> and and, uh, and you know, and I noticed that too in their in the No Doubts, um, the 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 B tracks on their greatest hits, um, like album package of stuff. Everything in time, I think, is what it's called. Um, I mean, they really. They had fun with it. They played around. They figured it out, you know. And um, 
Yeah. Oh, I really like I really like Beacon Street Collection too, though, because it's just so fucking weird sometimes. Some of those songs are just so goofy. Blue in the Face is one of my favorite No Doubt songs. Um, they have so many weird songs, and then they're just self titled. They're self titled too. It's just so playful with the with the just this one where they're listing all the foods and uh, a little something refreshing. <laughs> I totally I mean, forgot about that. Oh, that whole album is so fun. What ache? When it's just they and she had she had to get her wisdom teeth taken out. It's just a song about getting your teeth pulled out. <laughs> like, oh my! Fish God. has one of those. Yeah, that, but that's the that's you know they you see the evolution from where they were from with like yeah they're influenced by bands like Fish and Madness and uh, you know it, oh man I just yeah nostalgia nostalgia city right here man. I love Madness. That's a good stuff. That's all, that's all I have to contribute to this that's is that okay. I really like madness. Brandon and I are into, so like he and I are both into like 90s alt, but like two incredibly specifically different yep. strains of a 90s alt music. Mm -hmm. Similar to like we're both into like weird dad music, but two incredibly different specific strains of dad music. There's some overlap, but. I, I'm interested in that. Like what is the, what are these two, what are these two branches of dad music? I want to well, dad music in particular is that I'm I'm I skew much more like yacht rock dad music and like classic rock dad music, and he skews much more like um, outlaw country dad music. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or like or like Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. L later, slower, Grateful Dead. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love I love that dad music its own genre. It's its own it's its own field. You know? Oh yeah. And with like '90s alt stuff, like I'm much more of a like, no doubt, and like punk and ska, and Sublime. like I listened to a lot of lit, um, and like early 2000s, like the like emo alt rock scene. Whereas he was just like into fish, and they might be giants, and Ween, and and Beck, <laughs> and like yeah. the weird, the weird, like the more arty weirdos. Love, they might be giants, man. That's that's a big. There's big energy. There, they might be giants. Energy with uh, the no doubt self titled album for sure. Oh yeah, I I had I listened to a little bit of that earlier today because I just never heard it, and just from the first track, I was like, shit, this sounds like the intro to a talk show. This rules. Like the there's so many horns and the band is going hard. Fuck, this it's rules. Great. Oh my god, Paulina literally sounds like a they might be giant. Like I would believe if it if it was a they might be giant song. Except you hear Gwen singing it like a little bit because she just has that. She just has the. She just says Paulina a bunch of times. But she's also a better singer than either of them. But oh, of course, yeah. I mean, they're just talk singing the rest of them. I mean, she's really. Oh yeah. I mean, what she does with her voice too. But what is they might be giants if not talk singing? Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was in the grocery store and he texts me and he's like, "I'm listening to the first No Doubt album and it slaps." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." It slaps but... so fucking hard, man. All those songs are so good. I know, but Tragic Kingdom's better. Well, yeah, I mean, Tragic Kingdom is there. It's like it's it's refined. It's the it's the it's the the refined. Yeah. It's the culmination of what they were doing in that era. Yes, but this is like all their all their their rough draft stuff and just like what you were saying, like with Beacon Street Collection too, and all of it being like the beach. I mean, that's, that's the joy of their early stuff is that they were, they were, they were fumbling around and that, and I love the transparency of that creative process too. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, it's easy to project your own experiences as an artist or creative person onto this trajectory that they had where they, you know, they knew, they, they, they figured out what they liked and they didn't like along the way, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and thinking about just even from their first album 
to Beacon Street and just the the texture differences that happen. Like uh, they worked with uh, they worked with Bradley Noel and, and with Total Hate, and uh, that's so different from the energy of that of every song on the first album. Oh yeah, um, they have like the much darker stuff going on there with greener pastures and snakes. I mean, they're really getting more. Uh, they were getting a little, they were getting a bit crunchier for sure. Um, well, and also, you know, they were adding more. I mean, it also just has to do with the, the band growing and changing and Gwen coming more to the forefront because, yeah, the first album was written 90% by Eric. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the first credit on every single writing credit on the, that album. And it becomes a lot more collaborative and the band grows and it's it's good. And, and I'm glad they did, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a journey if you listen to them in order. It's true, but you know, also too, it's like I, even just looking at, uh, yeah, I guess "Blue in the Face" is Eric is all Eric Stefan. But yeah, "Open the Gate" is a very collaborative song. It's got multiple writers on that one. That's a great opening too. I mean, that's a great high energy opening. Um, yeah, yeah, it's man, what a what a great band. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us today. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. This was delightful. <laughs> Thanks for coming and hanging out in our tragic kingdom. Oh, look at you, man. <laughs> well, it's not tragic. There's a very good big man here, and he's got a big old pump. That's true. Soft. Whereas the other cat, uh, who, who is sort of, if, if Gil is her cat, Kentucky is more my cat, spent this entire time just walking back and forth across my desk and uh, gnawing on my mic stand. How are you dropping another cat at the end of the podcast on me? There like is, that? yeah, there is a second cat. Well, oh the, the little one is out there with him, so that's on him. That's on him. He, he, he should have informed you about the second cat, but... um. I feel a little. I feel a little emotionally betrayed, and get to hear about this other cat. But Gil, but Gil's, Gil's got such good tum. It's okay. I'll let it fly. He does have very good tum. The other cat, she has made an appearance on this show. I think actually on the last episode, she jumped into Brandon's lap and then whacked the mic with her head and went. Oh, she wanted to be a star. She's obsessed yep. with him. She <laughs> wanted to sit in his lap. Is what Aww. she wanted. That's exactly what she wanted. Sweet. She's, uh, what yeah, a she's, I, I love her, even though she's an absolute little psycho. Yeah. She also purrs with her mouth open, and it's very funny and weird. Oh, that sounds so, that I, just I sounding can like <laughs> so fucking weird. I'm really that. sorry for that aural poison I just put into everybody's ears. With that yeah, we've had worse. Joke I made about our cat, but that's really what she does sound like. It's delightful. Well, so if people wanted to find uh, more Chelsea Pope on their internet, how could they do that? Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on. On Twitter or Instagram, my handle is at Chelsea the Pope. And if you wanted to follow me on TikTok, it's at Chelsea underscore Pope. Um, and yeah, uh, please do. You'll find more videos and and uh, and jokes and and goodies. <laughs> yeah, all your videos are 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 so smart and so funny oh, and so you. like well observed. I'm really glad you like. Thanks, man. No problem. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. This is nice. If you wanted to find more of my mess, uh, I'm at Hell Yes Brandon across all the various uh, hellish cesspools of the internet. Um, ink blots around. We've got some stuff on SoundCloud, some live shows on YouTube. Uh, we're hopefully gonna start like practicing again soon and like getting some more some more stuff out there because we're all sort of we're all sort of itching to get back to it after a. Uh, for a weird year, um, 
and yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all I got. Uh, Beth, what about you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me all over the internet at at bscores with an underscore after it, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S underscore. But the easiest way to find me would be to just follow the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at at IntuitPod, and you can follow us on Instagram at hashtag IntuitPod, um, because you can follow hashtags, and I post all of those, so that's an easy way to figure out what my username is. Uh, we're also on Facebook if you get any mileage out of that hell site. <laughs> Thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. Um, that is all I have to promote. Um, I got, I'm, I'm not really doing much. I'm, I'm still <laughs> hanging out. We got our second vaccines by now, but you know, as far as I know, I don't have any work. So, oh, uh, congrats! You got both vaccines. Congrats. Well, we will by the time this comes out. Oh we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Moment yeah. that we're filming, For filming, sure. recording, y'all. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of. The- I feel you. I feel I'm you. Tired of these people. Their problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of this world. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I tire of this life if they only understood. No, you know, like the Doctor Manhattan. Oh no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was with me. Chelsea was with me. I was, I was with you. I didn't know it, but I knew what you were. I you knew, knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I'm tired of these people. The tangle of their lives. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't know any of the words, but how do I? How do I? I know that reference. I knew you knew what I was on. It's cool. Like Captain America. I know that reference. I get that reference. <laughs> my my favorite one of those that I saw. Uh, maybe ever was when they put uh bernie on his chair with his mittens on the moon yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's funny that was a good insert i don't know my favorite i'm tired uh, meme that i think about every single day and have actually tweeted today is uh the aqua teen hunger force i am 30 or 40 years old and i do not need this i think about that fucking daily oh, i thought it would have been the goat who screams like a man i do think about the goat who screams like a man quite a lot but i do generally think I am 30 or 40 years old and I do not need this a lot. I love the generic nature of that. I am 30 or 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so all 30 or 40 things of that being said, <laughs> podcast over. Podcast over.